0: Welcome to the Church Collective podcast. In this episode, we took the time to record one of our worship leader Zoom hangs we had with one of our fantastic presenters, Cliff. So Cliff, Chris and myself are going to talk about transitions in worship, and if you haven't been to a Zoom hang yet, I would encourage you to go over to thechurchcollective.com, hit that Zoom hang button. We have ones for guitar players, and we have ones for worship leaders at this point, and we're adding more as we go. So, I just wanted to give you a little bit of an insight. This is kind of a tactical planning. This is how you should plan a worship service that really honors God and is really impactful. So, I hope you enjoy this one. Here we go, Church Collective podcast. That, um Transitions most definitely need to be Holy Spirit led, Um, and and what I mean by that too is not necessarily that it has to be spontaneous. Um, When I'm planning out the worship set, usually I'm planning out my worship sets three to four weeks in advance. Um, I'm thinking through themes. I'm thinking through where I want to kind of take the congregation. I'm in a church where I don't get too much from my pastor. My pastor doesn't give me a theme or, or a topic for the message. Um, uh, He pretty much doesn't even know what he's going to preach on until Friday. Mm -hmm. And so for me, uh, basically my job is just to create uh, a very meaningful time of worship for our folks. Um, But it doesn't mean I'm putting songs together haphazardly. I want to I want to take people on a, on a journey. I want to kind of help them go from point A to point B in their worship time. So, um, what, with that being said, as I'm choosing songs and I'm kind of dwelling with the songs, um, I'm, and I'm talking about being Holy spirit led. I feel like the Holy spirit can lead two weeks in advance just as much as he can lead on Sunday morning. So when I'm planning those songs and kind of sitting with the lyrics and going through scripture, um, I'm I'm asking him to kind of show me what he wants me with the direction that he wants to take, and with that, a lot of times, um, I will get I will I, a theme will start to come um, to the front and some thoughts. Um, but I will tell you this though that um, with that, um, those thoughts usually come out of my personal uh, quiet time with the Lord. If I'm, if I'm just sitting down to just plan a worship set and I haven't spent quality time with him in prayer or in reading scripture, a lot of times trying to create those transi- transitions can be very cumbersome um, because there's nothing – I, I had a worship mentor teach me a long time ago that it's very hard for a worship leader to, to draw from a well that's dry. And so um, – you have to fill up the well in order for there to be overflow out of that well. And so for me, um, I'm spending time in the word. I'm spending time in prayer. Um, and a lot of times those those moments, those truths that I find in my personal quiet time are ones that will come through in my transitions. If I try to make it happen, um, a lot of times I end up stumbling over my words or I can't really coherently put my thoughts together. Um, I know a lot of people, and I have some thoughts here, so I, with that idea of, of our transitions being led by the Holy Spirit, um, I feel like there's a lot of talk right now about um, transitions being dependent on the keys of a song or the tempo of a song. Um, I'm kind of one of those guys that believes that you can create smooth and effective transitions without having to make every song in, a, in the same key. Um, Or in relatable keys um, or even tempos. I feel like if the the worship leader is being led by the Holy Spirit and has a plan in place, you can pretty much go from any key to any key and you can go from any tempo to any tempo. Um, Now, does that mean that you don't want to try to plan? Um, I, I, I teach a, a, a group at Liberty. It, it, basically, it's Music 396, and what they do is they stick a bunch of juniors together, and they say, "You six juniors um, are going to develop a worship set, and by the end of the semester, you're going to present that worship set to the faculty for grading." Um, and what happened was, we were in a planning meeting the other night, and basically every song they planned was in exactly the same key and exactly the same tempo, and If you were to put those songs back to back, it would have been a beautiful flow of worship, but there was no opportunity for any movement of the Holy Spirit at all within that. There was no movement for interjection or reflection. Um, And so they ended up kind of changing the whole plan and going with songs that weren't in the same key and didn't have the same tempo, just so they could interject some of those moments of teaching and, and those moments um, where, the, where the worship leaders could actually um, provide testimony or something like that. So um, don't feel like you have to be locked into a specific key or a tempo. Um, the other thing that I was going to say is that um, in loud, what, what I like to call those moments, Selah moments, you know, in the Psalms where there's those moments where there's the word Selah in there, I kind of look at those as moments of reflection, moments of just kind of pondering and sitting and waiting in God's presence. Um, You know, we we spend a lot of time singing our praises to God, and very few times do we actually take time in our worship to listen. Um, You know, we've got words coming out of our mouths all the time, but how often do we actually just sit and, and allow God to speak to us? And I believe those are those Selah moments. So for example, we were doing the song King of Kings, you know, the song King of Kings by Hillsong. Um, It's one of those songs that is basically the gospel story from beginning to end. And the final verse, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, Oh, does anybody, anybody, I don't have the lyrics in front of me, but I know that the final verse kind of um, is kind of the progression of the story. I don't know if it's the return of Christ or it might be talking about that. So, or Mano, I think it was, it's the resurrection. It's Jesus, it's, it's the, the final verses about the resurrection of Christ. So what we did is we came up with the idea of that we would sing the first and second verse with the chorus. And then before going into the third verse, we were gonna create a musical break only because um, we hadn't really built any, um, oh, thank you, Chris. Um, and the morning that you rose, all of heaven held its breath. That's exactly right. So basically up to this point, we've talked about the life of Jesus, his death, his burial. And now, so we've only heard part of the story. And so after that after that chorus, before going into that final verse, um, we are going to take a moment of reflection and just allow the worship leader to even just say something to the effect of, Um, you know, the beautiful part of the story of Christ is that he didn't stay in the grave, that when he came, he died for our sins, but the glory and the beauty of it is that on the third day, he rose from the grave, that his resurrection and the fact that he conquered sin and hell And death has given us life and given us hope. And then from there, we're going to go right into verse three about Jesus um, raising from the dead. So that's kind of a neat thing that you can do. I know a lot of times we talk about transitions being between songs. You can actually build transitions and verbal um, kind of um, exhortations in the middle of songs as well, um, just by adding maybe an extra instrumental chorus. And then the worship leader kind of speaks over that. So um, th- that's just some ideas as far as being led by the Holy Spirit in creating transitions. Um, some of the other things I was going to talk about are types of, of transitions, the purpose of transitions, and the tools of the transition of transitions. But before I do, does anybody have any questions on anything or any comments of what I've kind of talked about so far? Anything? All right, cool. So... This is great. So, um, when we talk about transitions, we can talk about. Chris, is everything okay, man? Chris has a question. Come on, Chris. Chris, you have a question? Sorry, Ryan muted me. No, I was laughing that you said this is great because nobody had any questions. <laughs> <laughs> this this is, is great. Nobody has any questions. That's awesome. I think I <laughs> Um. Now, Different types of transitions. Obviously, when we, we speak of transitioning in worship, we can talk about verbal transitions or, or transitions that the worship leader speaks. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm a leader that doesn't, that kind of is more, I like to transition leading by example rather than telling the congregation what to do. And I know there's um, some worship leaders that are like, raise your hands or, or express your worship a certain way. Um, I like people to have the freedom to express their worship however they're comfortable doing that. I am not in a super expressive church. I am in a Southern Baptist church that has been around since 1876 or something like that. I think we just celebrated our 150th birthday. So my church is not super expressive. Um, But what's interesting is that when I demonstrate a specific expression of worship, I find that my people follow that and, and follow that an example rather than me telling them, let's raise our hands. Or if, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's okay to even give them permission too. Um, you can say, if you're comfortable um, this, this would be a wonderful opportunity to, to put your hands together or something, you know, you can, you can do that, but I'm kind of more of a guy that I, I like to lead by example. So if I'm clapping, that's usually the, 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 the worship teams and the congregations um, cue that they can, that it's okay for them to clap as well, rather than me trying to tell them what to do. Um, one of the things that is kind of my pet peeve when it comes to um, helping people worship and transition is worship is foreshadowing the next line of the song. Um, the only time that it really should be appropriate to foreshadow the next line of the song is if your pro presenter isn't working. If, if, if you're, if your lyrics are working, Um, one of the things that I found is that sometimes if you just feed the next line of the song to the, to the congregation, it has a tendency to come, come across as a little bit contrived or, or that you didn't have anything better to say so that the only thing you could do is give them the next line of the song. So if, 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 even if it means don't say anything, My my personal preference for me is not to foreshadow the next line of the song. Just let them sing it when it comes up on the screen. Um, But there are ways that you can kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of lead them to what the next line is that they're going to sing without actually saying the next line. So, um, and I can't think of an example right now, but let's say that uh, you're singing a song about, um, the blood of Christ, or something like that, um, and there's maybe a, a little break right before that. Um, you could you could offer just a short reflection on the fact that um, that when that when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, that blood was the was the was the beautiful spilt lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world you could even quote revelation um where where we, we where they're the they're around the throne giving praise to the lamb of god whose blood was was shed um, and you can lead to that without actually saying the line of the song so those are all two things that can be done in advance too as you're as you're planning you can be thinking about scripture passages um, that that relate to lines that you're going to be singing in the song. Um, one of the things that I did early on as a worship leader uh, in trying to get my congregation to um, to respond more and to be more expressive in their worship is I would encourage them, but it was almost like I was um, I was almost being passive aggressive with my exhortations, and I would actually end up like chastising them because they weren't being expressive enough. Um, and then afterwards, I would feel horrible because it'd be like, you know, that, that's not my place to do that. I need to be an encourager, not a discourager when I'm leading worship. And so be careful that when you're trying to encourage your congregation that you're not, you know, and all of us have as worship leaders in our churches, you know, we all have those, um, those, those things in our church. Where we're like, I wish my church was more this or I wish my church kind of did this. And so a lot of times, if we're not careful, those things will come through in our worship leading. And we just have to be really careful that we can filter those thoughts so that all of our, all of our exhortations are encouraging and not necessarily discouraging. Um, the other thing that I try to put into practice when I'm doing transitions is I have to remember that my pastor is the preacher and that I'm not. Um, the, it's real easy for me to take Uh, an instrumental break, or even a transition between a song and preach a mini sermon. Um, But I have to remember that I'm not the pastor. I'm not the preacher. My pastor is. Um, While there are moments that I can take 30 seconds and do a quick teaching, that's probably about the most that I would ever do or should ever do as a worship leader. Um, My rule is if it's going to take longer than 30 seconds, then I need to cut it down or I need to not say it at all. Um, um, and that doesn't mean that we can't take moments to teach because I believe as worship leaders, we have a responsibility to help our congregation understand what worship is and to teach them about those moments of worship. But we need to do them very succinctly and very, um, very specifically, um, just, and always have a goal in mind. That's why I'm a firm believer in planning ahead. Um, because if you don't, Have you ever gotten to a place where you've been adding kind of a a verbal transition and you don't know how to end it? You just keep talking and it's like, oh, shoot, I do not. (laughs) That's where the planning really comes in handy because it helps you kind of identify a theme. This is what I try to do. I try to think of a main idea that I want to get across in my transition so that if I ever start to wander or I ever start to babble, I can always come back to that main theme and I can wrap it up just by going back to that main theme. Um, know, and I put down here, know how you want to end and have a main idea that you're trying to communicate before you even start. So if you're transitioning, you should already know the main idea that you're wanting to try to communicate and um, and, you, and you always want to know how you're going to end it. Um, so, the, per- the the other types of transitions are musical transitions. How many of you? Um, I know that not everybody has the ability to have this, but like, do any of you use pads in your in your worship services? Like, kind of like an underlying kind of synth pad. Um, I've kind of I've I've utilized those a lot in our worship services, um, especially in helping connect one song to another. And if I'm going to verbally transition from one song to another it just kind of helps continue the flow through the worship set. Um, even if you have to change keys or whatever, just you can have the pad player go through a chord progression. Um, and what'll happen, the music is continuing to play underneath, or there's just cording underneath. Um, and I know for me, when I'm, and as a worship leader, when I'm hearing music behind me, it kind of inspires me in, in what I'm going to say. If I'm If I'm talking over complete dead silence, for some reason that just feels really awkward to me. It's like, I just feel very naked when I'm doing that. And so I always kind of like having a little bit of background music and it could be acoustic guitar picking. It could be a piano player just kind of noodling some notes on the piano. Typically for us, it's a pad. Um, but the, that is a great way to create flow uh, in your worship set is to use those pads to connect songs together. Um, As far as the purpose behind transitions, have you ever been in a worship service where maybe it's a three song set and the worship leader basically welcomes everybody, has everybody stand up. You sing three songs and then you sit down and you're like, what just happened? What there, you know, it's like, there's been, there have been worship times where I've, I've sung three great songs and felt like I just went through the motions Um, because Especially if it's songs that are familiar or that I've sung before, um, it it gets it can be a real danger to allow some of those songs that we've sung over and over again to just kind of become second nature. Um, and while and I'm a huge proponent of repetition, I believe that the more you know, not that we would repeat songs until they're dead, but definitely the more we repeat songs, the more familiar it becomes to the congregation, and the more they are. Um, the more they're apt to sing out and participate. But with that, there's a danger then too, of those words becoming kind of second nature where they kind of go in one ear and out the other. So for us as worship leaders, it's our job to kind of help take those lyrics to a little bit of a deeper level for them. Maybe it's a, it's a, it's a song they've sung 40 times and, and you're wanting to kind of allow those words to to dwell in their hearts new and afresh. And so um, those are great opportunities for us as worship leaders to add depth and meaning to the lyric, Um, whether it's just adding a scripture at the beginning, a, a related scripture that we set up the song with. One of the most effective things that I've ever done is anytime that I'm gonna offer any kind of an exhortation or a transition in worship, if I can make it personal or I can apply it to something in my own life, it makes that transition like just that much more powerful. Um, It's, it's much more effective for me to say, um, Hey, you know, when my, when when my, when my wife and I first got married, we struggled with having children. Um, And so five years into our marriage, we were basically given the news by the doctors that we only had about a 20% chance of ever having children. Um, And it was at that point where we put our complete dependence and our trust in God, understanding that he had a perfect plan for us, that whether we were to have children or not have children, that we were going to trust him and know that his plan was what was best for us. I used that as an opportunity to set up the song, another in the fire, um, which we taught probably about eight months ago. Um, And it was, This was brand new for our folks. They had never sung this song before. But I used that personal story to set up the song. And I will tell you, I have never heard our folks sing a brand new song louder and more confidently than they sang that song. And it was amazing because I I really believe that the Holy Spirit used that little personal touch, that personal testimony to add meaning to, to the lyrics that they were singing. It kind of brought it to life so anytime you can add a little bit of a personal story into your setup do that you, you want to you know you, you want to a little bit of vulnerability can go a long way but it also shows your congregation too um, that you're spending time with the Lord that you are um, growing in him that you're spending time in his word and that what you're doing on Sunday morning isn't just kind of going through the motions and singing a bunch of songs um, the other thing too with transitions that I I feel are effective with transitions, um, sometimes we'll sing songs where they're very poetic, and so and I and a lot of my congregation is an older congregation, and so a lot of them are very literal, and so they love the lyrics to a lot of the the older hymns that are kind of you know very very straightforward very literal. Um, And with some of the newer modern worship music, there's a lot of poetry involved. There's a lot of imagery involved. Um, And my goal is that when when I lead people in worship, understanding that there is a diverse crowd and that there might be people in the congregation that don't know Christ yet, I want to provide as much clarity as I possibly can to the lyrics that we're going to be singing. So taking 20 seconds, taking 30 seconds, just to, to provide clarity to maybe a phrase in the song that's kind of poetic, that might not be easily understood by everybody in the congregation, um, can go a really long way to provide clarity for that song as you're leading it. So that the way, when they get to that part in the song, they're like, oh, okay, that's what he was talking about. Okay, well, that makes sense. So um, that, that's why I feel like verbal transitions are really, really powerful. Um, and with verbal transitions, you know, obviously scripture is probably one of the best ways to transition. Um, if you, you can't go wrong if you're using scripture, right? Um, and my encouragement is that if you're going to use scripture to set up a song, have it memorized. If you don't have it memorized, at least get them to put the words on the confidence monitor. Um, I've made the mistake of not memorizing scripture before, and I pull out my phone and it just looks really tacky, especially when your phone isn't working, and the scripture doesn't come up when you want it to. So my encouragement is, if you're going to use scripture for a transition, memorize it, or at least have it up on the back wall, um, um, or wherever you have your confidence monitor, if you have one. Another really good way to transition, I feel, is, is just prayer. I mean, when you think about worship songs, and you think about what they are, basically, they're prayers set to melody and rhythm. Correct? They're, we're offering our our prayers to the Lord many times, and so a lot of times, um, either it, whether it's at the beginning of the song, in the middle of the song, at the end of a song, um, just finishing up with a with a prayer um, that kind of echoes the theme of what you've been singing. Those are that's a great way to to to, to provide a transition it's not bad to practice your transition. I mean, I know all of us as worship leaders, we want to be as spontaneous as possible. But this is like like probably for the first five to eight years of me leading worship, I had to memorize and practice what I was going to say between the songs. Um, Part of that was just because spiritually, I wasn't in a place that I really should have been. Um, And so for me, I had to kind of, Um, The the, the spontaneousness didn't come as as much. Um, And so I had to plan it out. But even with that, I think it's super wise to go ahead. And if you have a transition you want to put in a worship service, practice it, practice it, practice it. I don't think there's anything wrong with practicing your transition. Um, It will help bring clarity. I, I I don't know about you, but when I'm in the middle of leading worship and I get to a place where I'm transitioning, there are probably 42 things that are running through my head. Uh, for some of you, you're also the band director, right? So you're also trying to guide the musicians. You're also trying to think about, oh man, am I going to go overtime? And is my pastor going to be mad at me for taking too much time? You know, there's, there's all these things that run through our minds. So the more that you can practice your transitions in advance and even memorize them, um, you'll find that as you do that, as you practice that and do that, those more spontaneous ones will begin to come more natural as time goes on. So good. Chris. Can you uh, speak a little bit on um, transitioning between worship leaders when you have multiple worship leaders on stage? Um, why don't you talk about that? <laughs> uh, you're talking about like when we're doing our conferences and stuff, how we've got multiple worship leaders and we're doing a, bunch of different songs. Yeah. Like, you know, or say you have like a female that's leading beautiful name that, you know, in your worship set, like how do you personally transition? How do you hand that off? Um, well, you have to remember I'm in a Southern Baptist church, so maybe the way that I would want to do it is not necessarily how my church would do it. Um, but um I give the freedom to whoever's leading a song. I will give them the freedom to to, to set it up however they want. Um, I know from example with you, Chris, um, when we've done the church collective conferences, we've got probably six different worship leaders on the stage and we're transitioning. Um, and there, you know, there's, an abil- there's just a freedom to be able to set that song up. Um, with that, though, I'm constantly preparing our worship leaders to let them know, like, I will let them know in advance, hey, you're leading this song, um, be ready to to set it up, you know, be ready to set it up, uh, um, so that I'm not kind of blindsiding them at the last second. Um, if I haven't taken the time to um, to encourage them to have that ready, we'll just do a straight transition. We won't do any kind of a verbal transition, because I don't want to I don't want to put that on our team without giving them some kind of heads up in advance. Um, but if I know there's going to be a moment where they can set it up, I will let them know. And um, I don't, I don't check on them to make sure that what they're doing is right. I, I just, I, I just kind of trust that they're gonna, gonna be wise. I mean, we spend enough time together that they know my heart. They know kind of the direction I'm going in. Um, they know the things that I value as their worship pastor. Um and so I I trust that if they're going to set up a song that they're going to do it um in a way that that works within our our setting in our church. I don't even know if that answered your question. But anyway, I tried. Yeah, no, I was just curious. I mean, obviously I know how we do it when you're at the conferences with us, but I was wondering about at your church cuz you 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 guys are more you don't do like the setup where it's um each song is a different worship leader, correct? No, mm-mm. no, it, it just depends. Like um, sometimes it'll, I mean, I'll lead all the songs. Sometimes it'll be another person that leads all the songs. And, I mean, it just varies from Sunday to Sunday. Typically, you know, maybe I'll do two songs and then the we'll have a female do another song or, you know, it just kind of depends. If you've got a song... That theologically fits your congregation. I don't care where it's come from. I feel like you need to be using that song. Um, I know there's other people that feel like, well, then you're supporting that ministry and blah blah blah. Um, and I and I totally understand that. I'm not I'm not going to judge anybody for that. Um, but I guess my personal thought is that <laughs> God can use a donkey to deliver. What was that? To deliver a message, there we go, Thank you, Nick. I appreciate that <laughs> uh, but it's uh it 's true that um, if if you were to not use any songs from a particular organization, uh, I feel like you could be really your church could really be missing out on some incredible times of worship um, because there are truths in some of those songs that need to be sung, even though maybe that organization isn't on the same page as your church is. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of my position. Uh, you don't have to agree with that or not. Typically when my congregation is singing through some of the songs from those organizations, they have no clue where they're coming from. Um, and that's, I mean, that's perfectly fine. Um, the, the the thing about it is is you have to, and here's the thing, there are some songs from those organizations I would never use just because there are things in the in those lyrics that are heretical that I wouldn't use, um, but it doesn't mean I'm going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, I mean let use the use the stuff that we can use that fits in with our doctrine with our theology, and leave the rest for other people to use if they want to use it. So. Um, that's kind of our position. And I, I appreciate your struggle. And, and I know there's a lot of people that are going through that as well. So man, just I'll be praying for you guys. That's, that's tough. That is really tough. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode. Would love to connect with you. Make sure you get into the Church Collective community over on Facebook. We have a ton of fun in there. And again, this was one of our Zoom hangs, so we would love for you to get into one of the next Zoom hangs. You can find out information from all of them by going to churchcollective.com and clicking that Zoom hangs button.